Also a reminder that after the service there is prayer ministry in the Lady Chapel. If anyone wants to pray with anyone, you've come with a heavy heart this morning or something you want to pray about, there will be those welcoming uh, for prayer over in the Lady Chapel. But we are continuing our series in the Gospel of John. We've made it all the way to chapter 2. It's going to be a while. How many chapters are there? 21? We're going to be here a while, but that's great. We're having a great time looking at the life of Jesus through John's eyes. And last week we thought about the wedding of Cana, Jesus turning water into wine, and how he can bring our gifts, whatever they are, and he can turn them uh, as simple as they might be or as meagre as they might be, he can turn what we bring into things that will last and be of life-giving quality. He can turn water into wine. But then he comes to the temple. He goes from a wedding and he turns up to the temple in Jerusalem. It doesn't go quite as well as the wedding, but here we go. John chapter 2 from verse 13. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we bow our heads in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can gather together as people who serve in your house. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of being able to call ourselves sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. And Lord, whatever we're bringing this morning, grief or pain, things that we're ashamed of, things we've done wrong, or whether we're just bringing joy and gladness, whatever we bring, we bring it all to you, trusting in your love, in your forgiveness, in your favour, in your healing and in your restoration. And as we come to your word now, Lord, would you humble our hearts before you that we might receive and hear your voice and what you are calling us to 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so third and final Sunday of our Vision Sundays. And uh, let's just go through them again if we can remember the first point. There's a three-point vision. The first point is to see St. Michael's full twice on Sunday. To see St. Michael's full. Wouldn't it be wonderful that God builds these, uh, and, and Christians build these wonderful churches. And they were built for prayer. They were built for worship. They were built for outreach. They were built for a place for the whole community to be able to come and worship the Lord. And wouldn't it be wonderful to see it filled with not just um, uh, people who've been Christians for a long time, but unchurched people, people who are seeking, people who are hearing the name of Jesus and wanting to know more about him. Uh, The second point of the vision is to ready our church building for the next generation. We want to hand the baton on to the next generation. So it's not just about us here and now. It's about all those who are going to need to hear about the gospel in the future when we're long gone. And then the third part of the vision, my favourite and most exciting part, is to not just think about our immediate context or our parish, but to look beyond that, to partner with St John's, which is the church plant down in the, church, uh, in the town centre, uh, and to partner with other churches in imagining the whole of South End filled, all the churches filled, all the people hearing the good news of Jesus. Wouldn't that be wonderful? So that's the vision. And last, uh, first Sunday, we just explained that. The second Sunday, we thought about how our Christian giving is a big part uh, of church life and bringing the gospel. Uh, And today, we're just thinking about, might God be calling each and every one of us to play a part? Small, great, I don't know. But wouldn't it be wonderful if God is, we're going to take a Sunday, just think, God, what are you using me for in life, in general, but also what are you using me for, Lord, in my part in church life, in supporting one another here at St. Michael's to do more and more for the kingdom of God? That's what we're thinking about today. So let's look at the passage uh, that we've just read. Jesus went from a wedding in Cana to the temple in Jerusalem where it it seems to me he had more fun at one gathering than he did at the other. It seemed to me that at the wedding, where he turns water into wine, and he's there with his friends and his family, he has a a great time. And then he journeys to Jerusalem, to the temple. You would expect, oh my goodness, if that was a party at the wedding in Cana, it's going to be an amazing celebration when he comes to his father's house. But he turns up, And he encounters things that shock him and upset him and disturb him. And it doesn't go well, does it? It It's not a celebration. It's not a happy, joyous gathering. Jesus describes it as turned into a marketplace, a marketplace where people are buying and selling uh, cattle and sheep, etc. Now, that is quite a normal thing to happen at the temple because if you know, if if you're Joe Israelite, that's probably not the right word, but if you are a Joseph Israelite and you uh, live somewhere in Israel, every so often you do require to come to the temple to make your offerings and sacrifices. And sometimes you may not be a shepherd and you don't have a lamb and you don't have a goat or you don't have cattle. So you've, you, you, you come to the temple and you might have to buy a, a sheep to sacrifice, etc. That was a normal thing to happen. But obviously what was happening is that 
a, a certain amount of corruption was beginning to creep into temple life. People were being exploited. People were taking advantage of the poor who didn't have much and saying, well, look, here's something I'll sell you. And it, and it probably wasn't the best lamb or the, 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 the top cattle. And the priests and the leaders were taking advantage of the people. Isn't that shocking? And it really upsets Jesus to see it all going wrong at the temple. And he's, in another gospel, he says, this is my father's house. This is a house of prayer for the nations. It's a place where people come and worship and celebrate God's forgiveness and his salvation. But it's become something very different. And instead of turning water into wine like he did at Cana, he starts turning over the tables. And he starts whipping the people out and driving all of this out. It's a very different scene, isn't it? It's a warning, I think, for us all in a sense. It's a warning for church life. That the first thing we want to, um, the first thing that we should all want for our church is that it's our Father's house. It's a house of prayer. It's a house of love. It's a house of joy. And churches, believe it or not, can go wrong from time to time. Where it becomes about something different. Where it becomes, I don't know, maybe it becomes a place where the few uh, control everything. And the few um, perhaps make people feel bad and guilty about co- and having to come to church and having to do things and taking advantage of one another. Maybe it becomes, rather than a, a joyous house of prayer, it can be, become easily a place of human gain. Where it becomes not about my father's house, this is my father's house, it becomes about this is my church. This is my church. And... I want to come to church for I want to get out of it. And it becomes about leaders and people taking positions where like, no, because this is my area, this is what I do. Rather than all of us taking, rather than a posture of me, we should take a posture of prayer, of kneeling before our Father, thanking him, praising him, loving one another, a posture of humility where we've come here not to be served, but to be like Jesus and to serve. What is it you want, Father? This is your house and I am just thrilled to be invited. What do you want me to do? How can I help? That's the posture we need to develop, not one of like the priests and leaders who are saying, this is my place where I get what I want. So how do we avoid it? How do we keep on track as a church? Well, firstly, it is by that, isn't it? This is my father's house. It's not my house. It's not the vicar's church. Now, it's really interesting because um, what I love about our church right now is some people have been here two weeks And some people have been here 20 years or more. But yet everyone who comes here seems to very quickly feel like, I belong here. And whether you've been here two weeks or 20 years, no one owns this church. Just because you've been here longer doesn't mean you have 
more right to say this is my church. Anyone who comes in here, anyone who wants to say, I want to come and meet with Jesus and my father and be with my church family, this is your place. It's our father's house. It belongs to him and Jesus, and we are all here to love and serve him. Okay, what else? We need to remember that Jesus says the temple where he's come to worship is not the true and real temple. The true and real temple, Jesus says, is him, is him. Did you see that? Let's have a quick look. He says, verse 19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. See, the temple symbolized a place where heaven and earth meet. It symbolized a place in all the land where God and his people could meet one another. So everyone, of course, would flock to the temple to have that time of prayer, to be in the presence of the Lord, to have ministry happen and heaven and earth meet. And Jesus is saying, look, yes, the temple served a function, but the real temple is Jesus. His body, he said. Now we know that, don't we? Jesus is both born of Mary, but he's also born of the Holy Spirit. He is heaven and earth together, Jesus. And so wherever Jesus went, people encountered heaven. People encountered the Father in heaven and the divine life. So Jesus became and is the fulfillment of the temple. But he goes on from that, you see, because the New Testament then goes on to say, any Christian, any person who comes to Jesus and is born again and becomes a son or a daughter of God gets built into and included in that temple. The church family, the people of the church family become the new temple, the body of Christ. Have you ever heard that expression? The church is the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is the temple. So where do heaven and earth meet now is not just about bricks and buildings. It's about you and me. God now lives in you and me by his Holy Spirit. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And where you go in your life, whether you're on the train or whether you're in the supermarket or whether you're lying on the sofa having a nap, whatever you're doing, you bring heaven and Jesus to that place because you are a temple. But also, more importantly, it's when we are together as the body of Christ that God and Jesus are really made known. Okay, let me just explain to you that, to that. Because a body, the body of Christ, we are, has many parts, doesn't it? Any body, take any body, has many parts. Hands, feet, hair, nose, eyes, head, shoulders, knees and toes. 
That's a good gospel song, isn't it? Heads, shoulders, knees and toes. We're all a part of the body of Christ. See, now here's my next point. God is everywhere, isn't he? We would like to say that, wouldn't we? God is everywhere. He's not just in churches, he's everywhere. But he only makes his home in one place. God is everywhere. But he only makes his home in one place. And that's in the body of Christ. The church family together. That's where his home is. See, I I like to... um, Sometimes go for a walk out in nature or in the countryside. I'm sure we all do it from time to time. And sometimes you see something of God's wonderful creation, don't you? And you, whether it's you see a flock of birds go by or a sunset or whatever it is you like doing. And sometimes you go, wow, isn't God amazing? And you feel your heart stirred to praise him. Have you ever had a moment like that? It's wonderful, isn't it? It's a spiritual experience. That's true. God is in my heart. Jesus lives in me. And sometimes you just have those moments of, wow, God is awesome. But you will never have higher spiritual experience than when you are loving and serving as part of the united body of Jesus. Why do I say that? Because Jesus' body, being many parts, only really flourishes and experiences the fullness of what a body can do unless every part of the body is playing its part together. That's what the New Testament says. Let me just give you an example of that. Um, the, a few weeks ago, I, um, I stubbed my toe on a chair leg. You ever done that? <sighs> Excruciate. It was worse than normal. And it went all, I won't say what colour it went or how swollen it went, but it wasn't pretty. Strapped it up to my other toe. It's just a little toe. Um, but I had no idea how much a little toe functions in your life. It's invaluable, that little toe. My life was seriously restricted. I couldn't help out around the house. I couldn't, I couldn't go to church. I you know, I just had to lie on the sofa for weeks on end. No, I'm just... But no, you hobble around, you notice it, your body's in pain, you notice it, don't you? And it, and it affects every part of your life in a certain way and restricts you significantly. Uh, there's lots of things I couldn't do for that time while it healed and repaired. Right. If we're the body of Christ, if the Bible says if one person is hurting, we all hurt. We mourn with those who mourn. If someone's got good news, that's our good news too. We're a family. Um, We are a body. But also, if only half the body is playing its role or involved, then we're seriously limited, aren't we, as a body? Right? If, If it's only some churches, and we all get into this, especially in the Church of England, you know, the vicar does this, does everything, and we just sort of turn up. It never works very well. It really doesn't. And the vicar gets all puffed up and loves it and goes, aren't I important? And it turns into a temple situation where, you know, there's a, there's a power dynamic that's not good. Or sometimes a church has got a handful of people that do everything and everyone else sort of just... What I love about St. Michael's, though, is how many people muck in and get involved, whether it's a little because you've got not much time on your hands 
or a lot because that's you've God has gave, given you that ability to be available for lots. So many people. And we're going to see that with all the stalls around the church. I find it amazing how many ministries happen here that I've got nothing to do with. It's great because you see how many people are involved in leading ministries. I think that's wonderful. But here's an example. If, if, if the foot is not working, okay, we might have a great mouth for the gospel and we might have great strong arms that can practically do lots to help people. And our church might be filled with that. But if the feet aren't working, we're limited, aren't we? We can only go so far. Do you remember that verse that says, blessed are the feet of those who bring good news? If we've got good feet in the church, we can run far and wide and bring the gospel everywhere. What would good feet look like? I don't know. What's the gift of good feet? Maybe it's, how wide can we reach? Even here, how wide is our body spread across this town? And if we're all playing our part, maybe inviting one or two from our neighbours or whatever to church, we can go far, can't we? But if our feet aren't working well, we're limited. We can only hobble along and share only a very short distance. So my point being is every part of the body is important whether it's the little toe, whether it's the heart. You might think the heart's the really important bit. Little toe, don't forget the little toe. Can't go far without it. All of us are important. Because you might be sitting here thinking, I don't have much to offer. You do. You do. Helping out, praying, getting on a rotor, just once a month even, just any rotor or what's going on in church, serving and helping in some way means we can do so much more Because a healthy body, what would a healthy body of Christ look like? It would look like Jesus in this town. It would be fit and able to do so much, so much more than just one or two can do in the church if we do it together. Exciting. So I just want to close with all of that and just summarise what I'm trying to say. The church family together, we are the temple of God. This is where heaven and earth meets when we're together. Yes, we can all have great Christian experiences on our own and in in different ways, but it's only together when we're loving and serving one another does the world say, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Have you seen that community where they lay down their lives for each other They get stuck in with joy and gladness. Yes, they annoy each other from time to time, but then they forgive each other and they pour on grace and generosity on one another. The world, we haven't seen that in the world. We've only seen it at church. People will see Christ because we are the temple of God where heaven and earth meet. I'm going to spend a bit of time praying. And it's just a chance to say, um, I'm not pouring on the guilt. What are you doing in church? Are you doing enough? All that sort of stuff. It's an invitation to join with all of us here together to say, what part of the body can I play at this church? Because if we step up and do it together, that vision that we have, no problem at all. No problem at all. Filling the church repairing the church 
and then winning South End for Jesus. If we all submit our lives to Jesus and say, what can I do? It's no problem at all. God can do anything if we do it together because we are his temple. So Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we need each other. None of us can do any of life on our own. Thank you that we are a body, that when we are plugged into the body of Jesus, his blood, his life pumps around us and fills us and brings vitality and nutrition and spiritual life to every part of us when we are plugged into the body of Christ. So we're just going to take a moment now. Just, Lord, what are you calling me to? What do I have the availability for? Small, great. What gifts, what talents do I have that I could offer that would just help relieve the burden from others in church? What would I dream of doing one day in church that perhaps I need help and training for and equipping for? Father, I also want to pray for those of us who felt on the outside, on the, on the fringes, and the church hasn't done enough to include me and bring me in. Lord, then I offer apologies and we don't always get it right, but help us, Father, for those who are feeling on the edge but want to belong more. Help us talk to one another and help each other do that. And then, Lord, just pray for all the countless people that through this church, when the body is working well together, I thank you, Lord, for the harvest that you will bring in. For we are the temple of the living God, where heaven and earth meet. And we are excited to experience more of that here at St. Michael's. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.